almost when you start speaking without this thing on. I know I'm loud enough, I've got a big enough mouth, but this helps keep me a little more contained. So, well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're talking, uh, today is Thanksgiving. Very grateful to have you here with us in person and to have those of you watching online. Um, but, you know, today is Thanksgiving. It's the day of giving thanks. Go figure with a name like Thanksgiving, today would be the day to give thanks. But uh, there's a lot in our lives that we have to give thanks for, and you know we were listing off some of the things. And as I've said, today is the day to do that. To give thanks for the blessings and the gifts God has given us. In fact, if you go and read the Charter for Canada, the official meaning for today, and I say this every year, is to give thanks to the Almighty God for the bountiful gifts he has poured out onto the nation. But then at the same time, some people want to say, well, you know, there's no mention of God in, in, in government. You may want to pick up a book and read it. It's amazing what you learn in pages with words on them, things that are there. Sometimes the grammar's not the best. Sometimes we don't understand what it is. Like I said a little while ago, or last week, I mentioned Shakespeare. Some people, they go, I can't read Shakespeare. I have no idea what it says. I love it. It's great. I like sometimes using the old words to mess with people. But, you know, some of the things would be that, where you can be thankful for an object. Some people say, I'm thankful for the roof over my head. I'm thankful for the bed that I sleep in. I'm thankful for the fact that I have my truck back. I'm any number of things you can be thankful for. Some people I've met and I've asked them, so what do you, what do you, what do you give thanks to God for? They said, I'm thankful for the camera I have. There's nothing special about the camera they have. It was something they bought at a secondhand store. Um, it took a lot of work to get it working again properly. But they're thankful for the camera they have because they said, I can capture moments in God's creation. And that's fantastic. And some people, you know, I'm thankful for the people in my life, and they're thankful for very specific people. I'm thankful for my kids. All of them, all four of them. They make life incredibly interesting. They make life incredibly um, hectic at times. But I'm thankful for them. And there's two things I'm really thankful about with them. One is my mom, have, how many of you as parents have said this to your kids or had your parents say this to you when you were a kid? I hope you have a child just like you. Yeah. <clears throat> Lee's up there going like this and then carefully puts his hand out. Which child would that be? You're looking right at your daughter. So what is that supposed to Actually, not hurt? I think it's the redheaded one. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that's who it would be as well. We're not going to name any names. But my mom always said that about me. She goes, I hope you have a child just like you. Have you seen Noah? Yeah. He doesn't just have my personality. He, he looks just like me. And I'm also thankful. So I'm, I'm very thankful for my, my son. I love all my kids equally, but I'm very thankful for my son. He is, I understand so much more now what my mom went through as, a, as having me as a kid. Um, she deserves a medal. But I'm also thankful for moments like with Melanie. Like, I, I have a coffee up here today. It's a good coffee, but it's not, as Tracy and I will jokingly say, a Melanie strength coffee. She made me a coffee this week. I took a sip. I could taste thoughts and time. Oh, my goodness. I took a sip, and I was, well, yeah, I'm good to go for the rest of the day. I was like, how are you doing? Doug's looking at me. He goes, what's up with you? I smell my coffee. And he takes a sip, like a sniff of it, and he goes, whoa, that's, uh, you're drinking that? 
Yeah, I think my eyes were like this for the rest of the day. So I'm thankful for those moments. But you know, one of the weird things is, and this happens a lot with people, we're thankful for somebody or we profess that we're thankful for somebody. But then we tear them down. And I don't understand that. There are so many times we say we're thankful for somebody, we're thankful for this person or that person, but we hurt them. We get angry with something they've done or didn't do, or we hold one mistake against them that's happened in the past. We drag it up time and time and time again. And we rip them apart. All you're doing is giving more ammo to the devil. When I see this happening, or when it's happened to me, or or when I hear it happening to somebody else, do you, do you know the honest image that goes through my mind? It's like watching one of those old westerns and the cowboy's up against the wall like this and he takes up the six-shooter and he opens the cylinder door and he's sitting there slowly spinning it. Just loading another round in. And then he just all of a sudden gives it a twirl close to the gate. That's all you've done. That's all we've done is you've just loaded another round into that chamber to take a shot at somebody. Well, how does this have anything to do with Thanksgiving? You just, just bear with me. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to the book of James. I want you to turn with me to the book of James, chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 to 12. James, chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. Some of you will notice in your Bibles when you're going through it, uh, there is a little caption. Interesting fact, we'll break, uh, we break passages down into numbers. That doesn't actually occur in a lot of the older texts. That's something that we did to try to make things more understandable. Um, let's face it, if you have a long list of text, it's hard to pinpoint an area so you break off sections. And sometimes we take sections and we break them off even further and we put a title over them. So some of you might notice there's a title that says, Warning Against Judging Others. James 4, verses 11 to 12. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. What right do you have to judge your neighbor. Now there's a passage in the Bible, and I'm pretty sure you guys have heard this mentioned before. I know you've heard this phrase, and I know many of you have read it. If you've picked up the Bible and you've read through it, and you've read the passages, you've definitely heard this verse, and I'm paraphrasing it, this section here. The tongue is a double-edged sword. Have you ever heard that? You know, the tongue is a double-edged sword. It conjures up an interesting um, interesting image, doesn't it? Like when I was a kid and I first heard that, I grew up in the Catholic Church hearing that the tongue is a double-edged sword. The first thing that popped in my mind was somebody going, and a sword coming out of their mouth. And oddly enough, there are passages in the Bible where it says the angel goes to block somebody and he opens his mouth and a flaming sword came out of his mouth. That would terrify me. I've seen people swallow swords. We had Buster Fest when I was a kid in Halifax, and there'd be people who'd go and they'd take a sword and they'd swallow it, and they'd have multiple swords coming out of their mouth, and it's like, that's got to hurt if you pull that out the wrong way. 
But to imagine seeing somebody go, and a sword comes out of their mouth. That wasn't there before. Terrifying. But you know, we talk about this being, a, the tongue being a double-edged sword. And this is one of those passages, the way people react to it, that I know I shouldn't say this, but it makes me want to smack them with a metal glove whenever they state what the passage is about. You've probably heard somebody say, well, a double-edged sword, the reason that this passage is talking about this is it has a blade facing the enemy and a blade facing you, and if you bring it back too far, you'll cut yourself. No! No! Let me point out something. If you're generally fighting with swords, what are you wearing? Chainmail. I've talked about it before here in the service. Chainmail is really... Quaker dips almost made me go for a dip. Talk about chainmail. Chainmail is great at deflecting slashes. In fact, we use it in butcher shops today so when you're cutting, you don't cut your fingers off. Great, huh? See, the double-edged sword is not a danger because, oh, you can cut yourself. You can cut yourself with a single-edged sword. You can cut yourself with a knife. I have seen so many people. That's why there's the analogy, always cut towards your chum, never towards your thumb, because you can always get another chum, never another thumb. Say that fast. Always cut towards your chum, never towards your thumb, because you can always get another chum, never another thumb. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather taught me that it's about carving now there is certain cuts that you make when you take out a knife that you use a power cut to go like this but you're using it in a certain way that you're being careful it has nothing to do with the fact that you can cut yourself with a double edged sword well you can't push on a double edged sword if you're sword fighting you get into that stance where the swords are locked I've seen it in movies great I've seen it in movies where the devil is the good guy and there's a gingerbread house in the middle of the woods what other things shall we debunk from movies today you cannot fly if you think happy thoughts. Do not try it. You can actually grab the blade of a sword. There's a technique called half-sorting, where you hold the sword, and now your sword becomes a hammer, and you can pummel the man to death with the pommel of the sword, or you can hook him behind the knee and knock him to the ground. It's very effective. It's terrifying when you see somebody go from this all of a sudden to holding the sword, and now you're on your back. How did that happen? So why is a double-edged sword, why is your tongue like a double-edged sword? The gladius, the Roman sword. Gladius just means sword in Latin. Fantastic. It's a sword designed for thrusting, for stabbing. Double-edged blade. It's easier to go in and cut. Single-edged blades, a lot of them you see them today and you see examples of them in history, they have a false edge along the top, just at the point to allow it to go in easier. Your words can easily cut or harm somebody. Your words can cut deep. It talks about God's word being a sword. The words of God can cut deep into us and can cut deep into the enemy. Your tongue is like a double-edged sword because the words that come off of it can easily cut and cut deep a person even when you don't mean them to. So how does this have anything to do with what we were looking at in that passage? 
How does this have anything to do with this? How does this fit with what we just read? How does this fit with Thanksgiving? How does this fit with something wicked, not using mistakes or looking at mistakes, a world apart from God? Your tongue can get you in a lot of trouble when you tear somebody down. And we do this in two major ways. Gossip and holding a mistake over someone's head. Gossip is one of the worst things you can do. And it's terrifying how many Christians take part in it on a daily basis. I have been in churches before where people said, oh, what is the latest gossip? And it's like, don't do that. It's terrifying. How do you say you care about somebody and then gossip them? You know, every time you gossip, you take part in this sort of thing. When you gossip, you take it. No, don't do it. You might wonder, well, what do you mean by gossip? Well, you say, well, I heard that so-and-so did this, and this was the reason why. That's gossip. Don't do it. You know what you do when you gossip? You punch the devil's time card. Congratulations, you're now on the clock for him. When you gossip, you're doing his job for him. You're not serving God. You're not working for God. You're working for the devil. And if that bothered you, good. Stop doing it. Quit. Plain and simple. You say, well, hold it. That's awfully harsh. Don't, you know. Read God's words. Read Jesus when he tells somebody something. He doesn't use flowery language. He says, stop it. Go forth and sin no more. That is an incredibly harsh statement when you actually think about it. How hard is it for you in your life not to sin. And he says, go forth and sin no more. That's not being gentle. The kid's gloves are off. He is literally flat out saying, stop it. Don't do it. He calls the Pharisees a brooding nest of vipers. Have you seen a viper? It's not exactly something you want to cuddle up next to. If you fell, there's literally people in history, Ragnar Lothbrok was killed by being thrown into a pit of snakes. That's how he's recorded as being killed. When you call the Pharisees a brooding nest of vipers, you're not calling them cuddly, nice individuals, are you? Sometimes the sharpness of the tongue is warranted because somebody has done something, as Christ points out there. But when you gossip, Never is that warranted. When you gossip about somebody, you are only helping the devil. You're giving him another bullet to put in his belt. He does not need you to do that. It doesn't really add up for a good Christian, does it? See, when you gossip against somebody, take a look at verse 11 right there. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brother and sister, or brothers and sisters. I'm doing like you were. I'm getting words mixed up now. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. When you gossip about somebody, you're not just hurting them. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting every single person around you who just heard it. And you're giving God a black eye. You are a reflection of the faith you profess. I tell people this when they go to get married or when I do weddings. Remember this, that you picked each other. Your husband back there, he's hiding again, way far away. I know why. He's already in the doghouse. By the way, you don't have a doghouse. I do in the woods. 
She just gave you full right to go in the woods and hunt. Have at her. But think about this for just a moment. You hurt the people around you. You are the reflection of God, the faith you profess to have. So if you're gossiping about somebody, you're giving God a black eye. Because anybody in earshot that overhears your conversation, which some people, yes, they eavesdrop on purpose. You probably shouldn't do that. Some people, we can't help it. Thank you, ADHD. Every time somebody starts talking, I can hear your conversations. I can read your lips. That's why sometimes I have to do this and look down and just look at this. I'm like, hey, that's a nice green line in the wood right there. Because I have to try to take myself away from what's going on. When somebody hears you gossiping about somebody, that's negatively impacting the God you profess to follow. I don't want to be any part of their God. If that's how they act towards others, and they say they're a reflection of it, that's terrible. You might say, well, I'll just do it then. Fine, then I won't do it when there's others around. I'll do it when the comfort, you know, when it's private, me and another person one-on-one. -on -one. Congratulations! God still hears you. It's like playing hide-and-seek with a kid. Have you ever played hide-and-seek with a little kid and they go like this? You can see them right there in the dead center of the room and they go, huh, I can't see you so you can't see me. That's not how it works. I use that tactic when I play online video games. If I can't get a clean shot at the person, I will shoot the open ground and they will, nine times out of ten, they will run to cover because they don't know where the shot came from, and now I have a clean one on them, and done. It's over. You can't hide from somebody who knows where you are all the time. You can't hide from God. You can try. The Bible makes it incredibly clear that no matter where we go, even if we go to the depths of the earth, down into Sheol, if we go as far as the east is from the west, you are there. That would tell me that God is forever present no matter where we go, what we do, who we are, how we get there, correct? You can't hide from him. Think of this one. You might think to yourself, well, if, I go to, if I'm in hell, then God's not present because it's hell. God still knows where you are. That's what scares me the most about hell. It's not that I'm removed from God. It's the fact that God made the place to have somebody completely 100% removed from him physically, but you are forever on his mind and on his heart, the amount of pain that must cause my God if I were to do something to go there. I don't want to go there for that reason. Gossip is a cancer. Gossip is a toxin. It's not something we should do. In fact, the Bible says to tame your tongue. If you're going to gossip, the best thing you can do, little exercise, this is for anybody watching, take your tongue, put it firmly behind your teeth, close your teeth, close your little Anybody have any guess what I just said? Take your tongue, put it behind your teeth, close your lips firmly, and try to talk. You can no longer understand a single word coming out of my mouth now, can you? I've tamed the tongue, haven't I? Sometimes it's best to just say nothing at all and walk away. The second way we do this horrible act of tearing each other down, we hold a mistake over someone's head. 
Now, there's times people have made mistakes, and we can joke about it. I do this one with my wife a lot. This is a long-running joke in our relationship now. It's been going on for about two years. Uh, our 10th anniversary, Tracy went out into town. I was at home. I was working on something for the church. I was trying to figure out a sermon, and I was just having really difficulty putting words the right way because my tongue will tie itself up in knots. She went out to town. She got a drink for herself at Tim Hortons, a donut for herself at Tim Hortons. She got a drink for the kids, a donut for the kids, and a donut for the dog. And she came home. And she gave the donut to the dog. And everybody else was like, did you give me anything? She goes, oh, I forgot about you. And I go, you mean to tell me, on our 10th anniversary, you got a donut for the dog and nothing for me? So the running joke is now I will tease her, like, oh, is this going to be like a donut for the dog moment? And she knows that I'm not meaning any harm by it because she burst out laughing when it happened. I said, I think this is hilarious. That's different. We're joking. There's a firm understanding between me and her that this is not meant in any harmful or negative way. Harmful is when you turn around and you say to somebody, this person can do things in math that I've never seen before. That I could never do. And the person looks at you and goes, like what, pass? This was coming from somebody who was supposed to have concern over me. And I struggle with numbers. Because when I look at mathematics, the numbers actually come off the page and start moving around like this in front of me. I failed math twice. You know, I've never been allowed to leave that one down. It makes me feel real good about myself. I struggle every day with math and reading and writing. To this day, my kids are told, if your dad's teaching you to spell, you're doomed. By my mom. She means it as a joke. She doesn't realize how much that tears me down, even though I'm sad. You don't hold a mistake over somebody. Because you want power over them. Again, all you're doing is punching the devil's time card. Why are you working for the devil? You can't do that. You can't hold something over somebody and say how much and how important they are for them. And then when something goes wrong that you don't like or somebody forgets to do something, you decide to tear them down. Or when you want something from somebody, you remind them, remember that time you messed up and I covered for you? That is not the act of forgiveness. If we want to profess that we are Christians and we believe God and we love God and we trust that God has forgiven us and that Christ died for our sins, do we have the right to turn around and look at somebody and say, hey, remember that time you messed up like this? No. You're punching the devil's time card. And I don't think there's a single person on this planet who is not guilty of doing it at some point in their life. And I'll tell you, it is an incredibly difficult thing to try to walk away from. And it is an incredibly difficult thing to try to stop. But it's not what God wants us to do. We're called to be in a committed communion relationship with God. We look at this passage, what it says, Do not speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Hold a mistake over somebody, you're criticizing and judging God's law. Your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. There's a lot of us that want to play mental gymnastics. Well, 
this is okay. Very careful of that. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save and to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? We look at our world around us today, they're going to judge you for everything. They're judging you right now. No matter what we do, we're judged. Take a look at everything that's going on, media-wise. But God wants us to come into communion with him to be more like him. The only way to do that is to actually enter into the task of communion. I'm just going to move this out of the way now. I'm not going to break it, I promise. Oh. Now that I said that, I'm afraid it's just all of a sudden going to fall apart. You ever had one of those moments? I'm not going to do, and then you pick it up and it just shatters and you're like, mistakes were made. But we're reminded of the fact that God came to earth. We're reminded of the fact that God entered in communion with us. We're going to enter into communion together. You can come forward. I'm just putting these on so everything is safe. The act of communion was a sacred thing. He was inviting them to become part of who he is. And I do not have my internet though. Could somebody grab me if there is one back there in mask, please? Mine, thank you. Because mine has met oh, I get to wear the flowery one. I have to laugh at people who don't like to wear flowery like myself, although I wear Hawaiian shirts. We will put on camouflage that's all trees and leaves, but the minute it's all like daffodils and daisies, we're against it. But we enter into communion to honor God, to honor the commitment we have with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. At this time, I ask that you come forward and line up. always great when you hook your ear. But as they were gathered in the upper room together, all the disciples are sitting there. They don't fully understand what is about to happen to Christ. He took bread and he broke it. 
And he says, this is my body and will be broken for you. When you gather together and do this in memory of each other, when you gather together and do this, do so in memory of me. Please take the bread and eat. I can take these off now. Then in the same way, when the time came, he took the cup, he held it up, and he said to them, this, this is my blood that is soon to be shed for you. They didn't fully understand. He said, each time you do this, do so in memory of me. Please drink. Imagine what it must have been like for them to go through this and to have what happened to Christ happen. To run and hide. Imagine what it must have been like for Peter who denied Christ three times. Imagine what it's like for brothers and sisters around the world who hide faith because to speak it is to lose life. And yet, so many times we will speak negative about a person when we give thanks to God. We can give thanks to God a thousand times, but when we speak negative of each other, hold a mistake over one another, all we are doing is tearing down the thanks and praise we give. I ask now that we would just bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this chance to come together to worship you. God, it is a hard thing to not judge another. It is a hard thing, God, to not judge another harshly or incorrectly. There are moments when we must make a judgment. God, you know what those are. You know those moments. But God, help us to follow you as closely as we can. Bless us, O oh Lord, that we are thankful for those in our lives and we share it with them. God, we don't just make it a lip service, but we honor them truly for who they are and what they have done and the gift you have given us in them. Help us, God, not to gossip, not to speak ill of our brothers and sisters. Be with us this day and every day, we pray. Amen. For those of you watching, if you have questions about God or you're wanting to know more, please feel free to reach out and contact us or contact somebody that you are more comfortable with talking to. You can leave a comment on the video. You can send us, uh, go to our, our Facebook page. You can call us. You can fake or, uh, private message us. You can leave a message right there on our Facebook page itself. Thank you and have a good day.